It's uh, Sunday morning and uh, second day of summer and uh, it looks like the fire season started close. Tonight, an out of control wildfire closes the Sea to Sky Highway. Was a downed hydro line the cause? Plus. Yeah, it definitely makes you worry for sure. Five small children are sent to hospital after finding a vape pen on their school playground. And. Turns out Toronto Raptors' Nick Nurse can do more than coach NBA champions. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks for joining us. It's the site we're all too used to seeing in other parts of the province. But today, fire crews were busy just north of West Vancouver. An out-of-control wildfire temporarily closed traffic along the Sea to Sky Highway today and caused power outages in the area. Our Grace Key is there live and has more on the fire fight. Grace. Yeah, we're just along Highway 99 here. Behind me, you can still see the smoke that is just billowing out from the hillside here. All day, we've got fire crews in the area and planes just looping around here, scooping up the water. They've got about five fixed-wing planes, several uh, helicopters, and dozens of firefighters all trying to get the upper hand on this blaze. wildfire is growing in size just off of Highway 99 north of Horseshoe Bay. It's about three hectares in size and zero percent contained with flames moving up the mountain. Homes are not at risk but 73 residents have been without power since three in the morning. Uh, they came around about an hour ago and said that, that we're fine, we're safe, no problem. No risk to you at all? No risk. I was out cleaning the barbecue and uh, lots of white ashes everywhere and uh, funny smell of lots of smoke so I figured something was up and so I went to the BC wildfire uh, website and sure enough Strip Creek this guy over here uh, which is about 800 meters from my place. The call came in at 3 in the morning. It's believed a down power line caused the blaze. That's still under investigation. BC wildfire crews are responding with helicopters and four pontoon planes assisting with water drops. Numerous agencies are also on hand. Right now, it's a ground fire with flames moving under the trees. It's going to be a little bit of a difficulty from them uh, just because of the very steep slopes. Uh, they're experiencing rolling debris as they're working on, on the the steep slope. It's basically a cliff face above the highway. The blaze has been affecting traffic all day. Fire crews are stationed along a stretch of the Sea to Sky Highway, so one lane of traffic going both directions has been set up in the southbound lanes. Residents along the shore got a better view from the water, hoping the weather will play in their favor. When there's no wind, so it doesn't seem to be moving uh, more than just a little bit. And it's on the other side of the highway, so it, it seems to be uh, contained from a point of view, at least, of my house. Now, for most of the homes that were without power earlier this morning, it looks like most of them are back online now. BC Wildfire obviously keeping a close eye on the weather, hoping for a change with rain expected uh, possibly later on this evening. They're hoping that it will help out these firefighters. Colleen? Grace, thank you. And fire crews in Surrey also quickly responded to a brush fire this morning. Smoke from the blaze along 132nd and King George Boulevard was spotted by our Global One helicopter team. The cause of the fire is not known. Meteorologist Yvonne Shell has an update on the conditions coming up. 
There have been 370 fires across B.C. so far this season. Rainfall has since calmed early spring wildfires in the northwest and Prince George areas. B.C. Wildfire says it is starting to see more fires as the coast gets drier. The only current wildfire of note is Alkali Lake, seven kilometers northwest of Telegraph Creek. It started last year, but hot spots have popped up. About 90 fires were sparked by lightning, but the majority were human-caused. Crews are bracing for above-normal temperatures on the south coast and central interior this summer. I think especially as we start to see these above seasonal temperatures, it's very nice outside. People want to get out into the backcountry and spend time outdoors. So very important to make sure that you are being aware of any activity you do that could potentially cause a wildfire, being safe with your campfires and other outdoor activities. Sweeping parks and playgrounds for needles and other drug paraphernalia has sadly become all too commonplace in many neighborhoods. Well, now residents will have to add vape devices to that list after a pen was found at a Langley school field. As Jill Bennett reports, the situation sent a group of small children to hospital. The grounds of R.C. Garnet Elementary School are busy, even on weekends. But it was on the field beside the school Friday. A disturbing discovery was made by some kindergarten students. We heard about it yesterday and a lot of us who have kindergartners were a little bit nervous because we'd heard it was kindergartens and ones. Someone had left a vaping device on the ground, easily accessible by anyone walking by. A staff member at the school saw the students playing with the vape device during recess on Friday. They immediately called poison control and paramedics. Two ambulances were dispatched here, and the school says out of an abundance of caution, five students were taken to hospital where they were monitored and released. It's certainly upsetting that the, that would be left on the playground and then the kids would have to go to the hospital because of it. And I mean, certainly in, very inconsiderate of the probably the teenagers that left it here. These things actually smell really sweet. So the kids, I don't know if they thought it was candy. We talked to one of the kindergarten students taken to hospital. He and his mother didn't want to go on camera, but the student says he got some of the liquid from the vape pen on his face and other students tried to drink it. A letter was sent to parents telling them of the incident and a statement was released. The district wants to assure families that student and staff safety and well-being is a top priority. The school conducts daily sweeps of school property for any trash, glass and drug paraphernalia. There's plenty of other parks around here where they could have gone to be smoking their uh, vape pens instead of uh, to the playground where all the kids are at the school. Yeah, just being more diligent and more careful about where you're putting your putting this kind of stuff, I guess, in the garbage. It's still unclear exactly what was inside the vape pen, but the school district is encouraging families to talk about the incident in hopes of avoiding another one. Jill Bennett, Global News. The 13-year-old boy killed by a falling tree while at a wilderness camp on Vancouver Island has now been identified. Ty Caverhill has been named on a GoFundMe campaign as the grade 8 student who died. On Wednesday afternoon, two teens were under a tree that fell at Camp Bernard near Souk. Ty was pronounced dead at the scene. The second boy suffered non-life-threatening injuries. The RCMP, the school district and coroner service are all investigating. A Calgary man is issuing a warning tonight. His daughter was murdered on Vancouver Island while showing a home and wants the real estate industry to do more to protect realtors. This comes as Calgary police investigate the alleged sexual assault of a realtor at an open house yesterday. Every time a female realtor shows a home by herself, there is a certain amount of risk she takes on. There is a different safety factor and risk factor for women in this job, definitely. Definitely. 
you put yourself out to the public, uh, you've got your name and uh, face all over the place, and so and you're inviting people to a private residence where you happen to be hanging out by yourself all afternoon. On Saturday afternoon, police say a woman was assaulted at an open house on Mackenzie Drive. A man grabbed the woman and touched her sexually. Police say the woman moved away and convinced the man to leave, but he came back two more times. Police searched the area but couldn't find the man. I get ill to my stomach because it instantly brings back memories for me of my wonderful daughter who was murdered showing a home in Victoria, B.C. as a realtor. Calgary real estate broker Jeff Buziak has been relentlessly searching for his daughter's killer and is pressing for more safety measures for realtors. He applauds a move by the Real Estate Council of Alberta to include a section on safety as part of a course realtors must take, but he believes more should be done by local real estate boards and individual companies. They need to take it a little bit more seriously. They need more hands-on training. Um, to avoid these sorts of incidents. Buziak demonstrated several precautions women can take, including keeping a piece of furniture between them and clients and never turning their back on strangers. If you turn around to exit the room, you're vulnerable right now. Realtor MMA advises her female agents to have someone with them when showing a home. Real buyers and people who really want to do business with you are not going to be put off by you putting safety measures in place to protect yourself. Um, so your safety is paramount. It comes before any potential deal or transaction. The CEO of the Calgary Real Estate Board said in a statement that this is very concerning and that we take realtor safety very seriously. As for Lindsay's father, he's looking not only for industry to make changes, but women as well. Seek out some advice as to what they should do and pay attention to it. Don't just remember it for two days and then run off to make that quick dollar because somebody wants, says they want to buy a home. Carolyn Curry, De Castillo, Global News. It is literally being called a major breakthrough for BC Hydro and the controversial Site C Dam project. Sarah McDonald joins us live with the details. Sarah, BC Hydro is calling this a momentous moment for the project. Colleen, it is being called a critical accomplishment in the construction of the Site C Dam. One of two tunnels being built has now broken through the Peace River. BC Hydro says yesterday their crews achieved breakthrough on the excavation of the first diversion tunnel, which runs about 700 metres in length. In order to build the Site C Dam across the main channel of the Peace River, the waterway needs to be diverted temporarily, and two massive tunnels need to be built in order to do that. The second longer tunnel has not yet broken through, but it is expected to follow suit in the near future. The next step is lining the tunnels with concrete before actually diverting the river, which is being called a major feat of engineering that isn't expected to happen until late 2020. Colleen, once those two tunnels are operational, BC Hydro says they'll have a joint capacity of 3,000 cubic meters of water each second. All right, Sarah, thank you. In the Okanagan community of Coldstream, residents say what was once a slow street is looking more and more like a busy parking lot with more and more visitors checking out the rail trail. As Jules Knox reports, the residents are concerned the high number of vehicles, pedestrians and cyclists is a recipe for disaster. What used to be a quiet dead-end street is now a bustling parking lot on a sunny day. The rail trail is drawing users from all over, and many are parking on Coldstream's West Cal Road. 
there's strollers and the strollers are often like right out in traffic. People are like, you know, loading their bikes, they have their bikes set up, there's dogs and kids and there's a lot of activity. The street wasn't made for a lot of traffic and now people are turning around in the middle of the street. So it's sort of like an accident waiting for ha to happen. The regional district says more than 117,000 people have accessed its section of the path so far this year. Neighbors say that although they love the rail trail, the de facto parking lot is a concern. Very happy the rail trail's here, just very um, frustrated by the lack of forethought that went into the planning for the infrastructure for it. On any given weekend day, it's really, really dangerous to even just access our home um, and kind of like move through all the traffic and all the people. The District of Coldstream has asked commercial vehicles to drop people off at the Coldstream parking lot about a kilometre away. But residents want officials to encourage more users to park there. They say West Cal Road should offer priority access for those with mobility challenges or young families. Some also suggest the road should be widened. There is nothing to prevent children from riding down off the rail trail straight into traffic. Um, a car can't see to back out there. The district plans to further develop the Coldstream parking lot and the hope is that once up and running, it would help alleviate some of the parking problems on West Cal Road. As for residents, they hope something is done soon before somebody gets hurt. Jules Knox, Global News, Coldstream. Delta police officers are proving all creatures great and small need some help once in a while. Have a look at this. They came to the rescue of some stranded ducklings. Someone called police after noticing a number of ducklings trapped in a storm drain on Highway 17 Friday night. Six were found in two separate drains. Officers used two lacrosse sticks to safely remove four of them. A fifth tried to make a break for it, jumping from the lacrosse stick. After a brief chase, though, it was safely recaptured. Sadly, a sixth dove underwater in the storm drain and did not resurface. A search for mom failed. And the five were taken to the Delta Community Animal Shelter. <laughs> Music, one of the many highlights of the Greek Day on Broadway, still underway tonight. Thousands packed Broadway between McDonald and Blenheim to enjoy the entertainment, culture, and of course, the food. It all wraps up at 9 o'clock tonight. The city of Maple Ridge is locked in a battle with the province over how to house its most vulnerable. Months after the local homeless camp was shut down over a rash of fires, the city says more encampments are now popping up and garbage is piling up. As Kristen Robinson reports, with fears more fires could be sparked near homes, some residents are taking matters into their own hands. Watch your step. Here, clean this up. Maple Ridge residents taking back the forest around their homes. One of the fires was here and here. Susan Einerson and her neighbors concerned about recent campfires set in a ravine used by the homeless. Phone the fire department four nights in a row. They're starting fires and as you can see behind me my home is about 30 feet away. My worst fear is that these fires that are being set in the at night will burn our homes and possibly kill people. The group taking matters into their own hands Saturday. Bylaws has been here and city crews tasked with cleanup, but Mayor Mike Morden says city services are overloaded, responding to people setting up camps, making a tremendous mess, hoarding of all kinds of acquired property, along with the proliferation of refuse and drug paraphernalia. These encampments have popped up everywhere.
Although the mayor doesn't recommend going it alone, he understands his citizens' frustrations. Earlier this year, the city's unofficial homeless camp was shut down after a series of fires deemed it unsafe. When the province then said Maple Ridge wasn't doing enough to house the homeless, it stepped in to build low-barrier modular housing, something the mayor and many supporters don't want and say won't work. We've worked with 22 different communities uh, to deliver on this kind of housing where we've housed a thousand people who were formerly homeless. The mayor wants detox, treatment and long-term recovery services instead. Until a solution is found, locals say they'll fight to keep their neighborhoods safe. I'm uh, horrified at what it's become. Kristen Robinson, Global News. Air Canada says it is looking into how crew members could have disembarked from a plane without noticing a sleeping passenger. A woman describes waking up alone on a cold, dark aircraft after a flight to Toronto earlier this month. In a social media post, Tiffany Adams wrote that her phone died and she couldn't charge it because there was no power on the parked plane. After no one saw her flashlight SOS signals, she unbolted a cabin door. Facing a steep drop to the tarmac, she leaned out of the aircraft and called over a crew member who got her out. And the airline confirmed the incident did take place, but declined to comment further. I can't imagine how terrifying that would be. Not the kind of sleepover, <laughs> sleeping arrangements that I would prefer. Yeah, let's hope it's that wasn't the, the end uh, of a vacation yeah. or something for her. The rest of the passengers weren't really in tune. They're just focused on getting out of there. Yeah. Is there <laughs> someone sleeping in there? Ah, uh, let them sleep. Cold and dark, not unlike the day we had today. Yeah, it was unsettled out there. This is our first weekend of summer, and we have been seeing a fair bit of cloud cover. A few isolated showers have popped up across the south coast. And a look at the satellite and radar. We're still looking at a few thunderstorms working its way, most of them into the southeastern corners. The Thompson Okanagan also getting clipped by them. We'll still have another unsettled day for tomorrow, but there is a nice break on the way. We will see some sunshine. Temperatures are going to bump up as well. I'll have your full forecast coming up very shortly. All right. Thanks, Yvonne. Well, I hope you all like soccer because I got... Uh, <laughs> you got a little? The, might be the first time ever that the first uh, section of sports is all soccer and wow. uh, men's national team. Very impressive. Scored a lot of goals in the Gold Cup today. Women's national team has their big uh, knockout uh, stage game tomorrow against Sweden, so we'll hear from them. And games from the Women's World Cup and from the Copa America. We got everything. Wow. In soccer. Okay. Coming up. And some Kauai news that I think you're going to like. I think. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, front and centre at Toronto's annual Pride Parade today. But noticeably absent, Ontario Premier Doug Ford. He says he won't take part until uniformed police officers are allowed to participate. Uniformed officers, ununiformed officers have been excluded, rather, sorry, uniformed officers have been excluded for the past three years. First over concerns about racial profiling, then over criticism the force didn't take the disappearance of men from the city's gay village seriously. Mayor John Tory hopes to have the police back next year. Uniformed police are also banned from marching in Vancouver's Pride Parade in August. The search for a missing Alberta boater near Revelstoke has come to a tragic end. RCMP said on Friday search crews recovered a life jacket and an aluminum boat. 35-year-old Warren Titmore of Calgary is presumed to have drowned. On Thursday, RCMP crews were called out for a boat that had capsized in the Columbia River. Two men from Alberta, both wearing life jackets, were in the water and had called for help when they became separated. 
RCMP believe Tidmore took off his life jacket to remove some heavier clothing. It's believed wind, a strong current, and large waves contributed to the capsizing. A six-year-old girl was airlifted to Edmonton Hospital after what officials describe it as an unpreventable accident at a parade in Wainwright. The girl, who was a 4-H member, was participating in the parade, which was part of stampede festivities. The extent of her injuries is not clear at this point. Wainwright's mayor says there will be an investigation. We'll look into what we can do better. It's um, when you get a parade flow like anything, like I suppose, you know, like Klondike days, anything can happen and you can't always prevent it. But we will definitely look into uh, how it happened and why. And if there's a way we can prevent it as a stampede association in the future, we certainly will. We have processes and policies in place to, um, to follow up with those involved. U.S. military cyber forces have reportedly launched a retaliatory cyber strike against Iranian computer systems as tensions continue to rise between the two countries. Reports out today indicate President Donald Trump authorized the cyber strike, even though he called off airstrikes in response to Iran's downing of an unmanned, unarmed U.S. drone. While President Trump went out of his way to say that he showed tremendous restraint in not responding militarily after the Iranians fired on and shot down an American surveillance drone, it appears that the U.S. military was not just sitting on its hands. There are numerous reports that even as President Trump was having those deliberations, the U.S. was launching a cyber attack against Iran, specifically targeting Iranian command and control systems that the U.S. says were used to target commercial tankers in the Persian Gulf two weeks ago. Now, no official comment from the U.S. military, but even as word of this operation is coming out today, John Bolton, one of the most hardline U.S. officials on Iran, was meeting with another Iran hawk. The Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, the two met in Jerusalem. John Bolton had strong words on Iran, saying not to mistake U.S. restraint for inaction. No one has granted them a hunting license in the Middle East. As President Trump said on Friday, our military is rebuilt, new, and ready to go. Iran continues to insist that it did not attack those commercial tankers and says while it did fire on and shoot down the American drone, it says it could have been worse, that it showed restraint because it had an American plane in its sights but held fire. Richard Engel, NBC News, Doha, Qatar. The young Thai soccer team that was trapped in a cave last year is marking the one-year anniversary of their rescue. Nine of the team's players and their coach ran a commemorative marathon today to mark one year since their dramatic rescue from a flooded cave. Some 4,000 people took part, raising money to help improve conditions at the now-famous cave complex where the boys were trapped for two weeks. Divers found them 10 days later and rescued them in a delicate operation. One diver died in the process. Some people say they don't deserve the fame, but I, you know, I give them credit for, for surviving the 18 days. Not many children could have survived the way they did, so we, we have to respect them for that. The abbot of the monastery where the boys and their coach spent time as novice monks after the rescue announced today that a new soccer team is being launched and headed by the same coach. 
An inventor from Finland took the idea of a hot tub by the sea to the next level. He put the tub on a raft and sailed nearly 90 kilometers across the Baltic Sea with his buddies. They made the trip from Finland to Estonia in 10 hours, 20 minutes. The hot tub on a raft was a home-built contraption with two engines and solar panels to power the navigation. And a tricycle race called the Boulder Dash in downtown Tulsa today. Dozens of racers started at the top of a bridge, proceeding through an obstacle course with spectators throwing water balloons at all of the riders. Protesters today at the Santa Anita racetrack in Southern California. It's under new scrutiny tonight after another horse died there. The 30th since December. But protesters say it's not the only track where horses have been dying. Tonight, outrage following the death of another horse at California's Santa Anita racetrack, the 30th horse to die since this season began in late December. We want horse racing to end. There is no reform. There is no compromise. It has to end. The deaths have marred the reputation of one of the country's most storied race venues, leading track owner the Strunner to bar Hall of Fame trainer Jerry Hollendorfer after the latest death at the track, saying in a statement, individuals who do not embrace the new rules and safety measures that put horse and rider safety above all else will have no place at any Stronach Group racetrack. NBC News reached out to Hollendorfer, but received no response. After California Governor Gavin Newsom said enough is enough, the California Racing Board added a medical team to screen every horse in an effort to make sure they're fit to race. But that may not be enough. Unfortunately, you know, it's part of the game that at some point, you know, some horses will get hurt. The spike in fatalities here has led to more aggressive drug and safety rules and temporary closures to investigate what's going on. But the owners were not willing to shut down racing for the rest of the season until the show went on. It's not just this track. It's not just 2019. This has been happening for years. It happens at every track. The catastrophic season at Santa Anita comes to an end tonight. No closer to solving a devastating mystery. Steve Patterson, NBC News, Arcadia, California. All right, Yvonne is here with a look at the weather forecast. And you said that there might be a tiny bit of rain, and there was a tiny, tiny bit of rain here on the south coast. Yeah, and depending on where you were, some areas was dry today, but just underneath the cloud cover. So it was a sprinkle here and there. It's still isolated right now. We're seeing reports out of the airport with a light rain shower. Temperatures are sitting at 15 Light winds as well, northeasterly at 6 kilometers per hour. An ominous-looking shot sent in from Lindsay, and this is in Port Moody this evening. So we are still seeing that cloud cover, a chance of showers for this evening, and then we are looking at some breaks, and I'll have the timeline for tomorrow in just a moment. A cooler day today with only a high of 19 degrees. The average typically sits closer to 21. A glance at some of the winds, areas near West Van, it is calm out there. It's really towards the east, stretching in towards the Fraser Valley, and hope that we're still seeing sustained winds in to the 30 and out of Abbotsford with gusts of up to 50 kilometers per hour and Tofino gusty conditions along the western areas of the island uh, over 40 and for Victoria right now with a gust of up to 46 kilometers per hour. The active weather right now is really across the interior. We can see that into the Thompson Okanagan. A few lightning strikes. We've got a heavier cell that is pushing its way in. We'll still see that instability and it'll really move its way in towards the Kootenai before it does start to dissipate and die down. Now much of the activity will be for the morning hours along cold 
coastal sections. For the south coast, it'll be a chance of showers, mainly cloudy for the morning. And then by the afternoon, it is going to clear up. It'll be along the interior that we'll be looking at a chance of showers and the risk of a thunderstorm. We do need some rainfall. Unfortunately, we're only seeing from this model a trace and up to five centimeters along the North Shore Mountains. This takes us in towards the afternoon and evening tomorrow. So any of the precipitation that we do see will be light. Most areas, though, Need it with the fire danger rating and update across the central half of the province, moderate to high, along the Sunshine Coast and the island sitting at high, so please be very diligent when you're outdoors. The piece looking at a risk of a thunderstorm, temperatures cooler tomorrow with only high of 16 degrees. It'll remain unsettled over the next three days. White Horse with the risk of a thunderstorm up to 21, and most areas along the coast tomorrow still seeing a chance of showers. It'll rebound on Wednesday with the return for some sunshine. Caribou and Central interior a chance of showers tomorrow most of the active weather is going to push in towards the tops in Okanagan we'll see the risk of a thunderstorm temperatures will be up to 21 degrees a nice break on our Tuesday and then showers once again towards the evening most areas near Whistler it is a chance of showers 17 as the high a break on Tuesday and then rain pushes in once again it'll be late on your evening into Tuesday into Wednesday and across the island northern and central areas will still see a fair bit of cloud cover that That'll be for the morning, and then we'll start to see some breaks by the afternoon. Temperatures near Victoria tomorrow will be up to 19. Metro Vancouver, so still seeing a chance of showers tonight, similar for the morning hours. A clearing is going to kick in towards the afternoon. Five-day forecast, the nicest day so far will be Tuesday, Wednesday. Partly cloudy, nice breaks. Temperatures into the low 20s. Thursday, Friday, and settled once again. Tomorrow by the afternoon with some sunshine and a high of 18. Colleen? All right, thanks, Yvonne. Toronto Raptors head coach Nick Nurse may be an NBA champion, but it seems he's also a pretty talented musician. Joined our cows on stage at their Toronto show last night. The coach and the Hamilton rock band jammed out. The Stevie Wonder's hit signed, sealed, delivered, I'm yours. Throughout the Raptors' season and playoff run, Nurse was frequently spotted carrying his guitar. A huge hot air balloon, Barry. I know you, you, you may not it, cover hot air balloon no races. I know that. <laughs> good point. Good point. It plowed into a crowd at a festival in Missouri. Have a look at this video. Several people were knocked over by the basket as it tried to land. A man at the event says that the basket hit him right behind, hit right behind them and then ran over his mother. Fortunately, she's okay. Firefighters and paramedics were called to the scene. The event continued on as planned. I don't think, Barry, you're mm. going to see too many hot air balloon stories where <laughs> good things happen. Never. Usually it's, you know, there's a couple uh, celebrating their anniversary, they're drinking champagne, there's a balloon. You're right. It's no. never a good sign never for the hot air balloon thing. people when no. we run their stuff because inevitably they're crashing. Something goes wrong. Okay. I got only good news. <laughs> no crashes in my sports. Thanks, Colleen. Canada's national men's soccer team is at the Gold Cup looking to keep the development process going as they chase their ultimate goal of making the 2022 World Cup. Canada's youth and talent on the men's team has never been stronger. Players like Alfonso Davies leading the way. Canada lost 3-1 to Mexico in their last match, but they played Cuba today with a chance to advance to the quarterfinals at the Gold Cup. And Canada wanting to set the tone early against the Cubans, who are... Pretty much a semi-pro team. 
And uh, Canada does just that. Three minutes in, ball over to the top to Junior Hoylet. Perfect service to 18-year-old Jonathan David, who finishes beautifully. David now has seven goals for Canada in just seven national team matches. That's a pretty good ratio. 1-0 Canada up quickly. Kept pressing forward. Again, it's Junior Hoylet providing the service off a defender, off the post. And Lucas Cavallini will get the easiest goal he'll ever get, tapping that across the line. 2-0 Canada, then late in the half. Canada showing off its quality. Alfonso Davies to Jonathan David. His cross finished brilliantly by Cavallini. That is a highly skilled play right there. We didn't used to see Canada score goals like this, but this young crop of players, they've got much more talent than we've ever seen. And then moments later, Cavallini with his hat-trick goal. Alfonso Davies, who ran miles today with a perfect setup. Cavallini times the slide perfectly. 4-0 at the half. More to come in the second. Davies flying down the wing, turns it back. One save, but Junior Hoylet is there to make it 5-0 Canada. They weren't done yet. Jonathan David smashes home his second of the game. 6-0 for Canada, and David one more time. Why not for the hat trick? Canada did what it should do, thump Cuba, 7-0 the final. So Canada off to the quarterfinals, likely to meet Costa Rica next Saturday. Meanwhile, Mexico and Martinique also in the Gold Cup the, tonight. Mexico, the class of the field, along with the U.S. and Costa Rica in this tournament. Uriel Antuna gets Mexico on the board, expected to route Martinique tonight, but it's close, just 1-0 Mexico early second half. Well, it is win or go home time for Canada at the Women's World Cup in France. They play Sweden tomorrow at noon our time. The Swedes, like Canada, are coming off a loss in their final group stage match. They fell 2-0 to the United States. Canada lost 2-1 to the Netherlands. So it's two evenly matched teams. We expect a very tight match. The winner gets Germany in the quarterfinals. No, I just think it's two very organized teams that are going to be playing against each other. And I think it's going to be a... A game of inches and yeah whether that's a set piece or you know a scramble in the box I just it's gonna be a very close game what's the biggest threat with Sweden uh, I think it's just their speed in behind um, Two more questions. got a lot of pace up top and then with you know Aslani as a 10 just her ability to create havoc draw players out and then slip passes um, I think the Swedes are a great footballing nation, and I've actually played there myself and, and love playing in the Damosvenskan. Um, I think they're physical. I think they're organized. They're tactically sound. So we're going to have to be um, strong defensively and, and hopefully have that flair that we've, we've had moving forward. All right, knockout stage today, England versus Cameroon. England the heavy favorite in this one, and on cue, they open the scoring 14 minutes in. A rare free kick from inside the box after an illegal handling of the ball by the goalkeeper. Steph Houghton drills it in, and it's 1-0 England. And then in the first half stoppage time, Ellen White gets behind. Initially ruled offside, but after the VAR review, it is a good goal. So 2-0 England at halftime, and then in the 58th, England will put this one away off the corner. Nicely timed run by Alex Greenwood to slot that in. England defeat Cameroon 3-0. England will play Norway in the quarterfinals. Host France taking on Brazil. Tough round of 16 matchup for French uh, for the French who 3-0 so far. No goals until the second. Great speed down the left side. Diani, perfect service to Valerie Gauvin who times the slide 
perfectly. 1-0 France, but Brazil respond 10 minutes later. The ball back to Tysa, and she will drill it in. Now, initially, that was ruled offside, but after VAR review, it's a good goal, 1-1. So we require extra time, and early in the second extra period, the French take the lead off the free kick. Amandine Henri with a spectacular finish to find the corner, and the French are moving on to the quarters. They had to work for it. They'll likely meet the USA in the final eight. The Whitecaps really needed all three points last night against Colorado because their next three matches are on the road, but Vancouver had to settle for one, albeit they had to rally from two goals down to gain the draw. So positive in that respect, but settling for draws at home tends to keep you out of the playoffs in MLS. Former Whitecap Kai Kamara and the Rapids jumped out 2-0. It could have been three, but this great save by Jake Nerwinski after Kamara hit the post, the former uh, Whitecap Nicholas Mesquita should have scored there, but what a play by Nerwinski to save a goal, and that was huge because late in the half, Ali Adnan on the attack, taken down in the box, a penalty awarded. Freddy Montero will take it, and from the spot, he is spot on. 2-1 Colorado at halftime. Second half, Vancouver really owned the play, and in the 80th minute, off the free kick, it's Jordi Reyna back from injury for the first time in a couple of months, curls it in off the post and in a great strike. 2-2 the final. Uh, Whitecaps 4-6-7, and seven, 19 points, ninth in the West. Again, one of those good news, bad news results. We pushed in the second half. There was always a belief, great personality and character from the players to, to push and to try to get the win, uh, even when it was 2 nothing. Just, just going at it. And uh, unfortunately... You know, it's a, a point that could be seen in a positive way because you're down 2-0. Uh, but we feel we, we, we should have, uh, from what we did today, have the full three points. All right, one more soccer to show you. In Brazil, from the Copa America, Argentina needing to beat Qatar to advance to the quarters. Just one draw in their first two matches. Fourth minute, Letaro Martinez makes it 1-0 Argentina. And then in the 82nd, Sergio Aguero. Puts this one on ice for Argentina. A fantastic one run by Aguero as Argentina take it 2-0. They will meet Venezuela in the quarters on Friday. Welcome back, everyone. Raptors fans have made it clear they will do anything to have Kawhi Leonard return to the team and give the Raptors a fighting chance to defend their NBA championship next season. And all of that goodwill may be paying off. According to a report from Yahoo Sports, Leonard will decline his $21.3 million player option to become a free agent, which was expected. Why wouldn't he do that? But he is seriously considering re-signing with the Raptors. Toronto has an advantage. They can pay him more than anyone else. They can offer a max contract of $190 million over five years. That's about $50 million and one year longer than any other team is allowed to offer Leonard, who, of course, won the finals MVP in one of the most incredible playoff performances in NBA history. PGA Tour now, final round of the Travelers Championship from Hartford. Journeyman Ches Reeve had a six-shot lead entering the day. Just one career win for Reeve. It came at the Canadian Open in 2008, 11 years ago. His lead quickly shrunk. He didn't really fold, but rather Keegan Bradley went on a tear on the back nine. This birdie, one of five birdies on the back. He got to within one shot of Reeve through 16. But on 17, Bradley made a double bogey, and Reeve makes this clutch 
birdie putt. It was a three-shot swing, and that was it, as Ches Reeves, a long wait between wins is over. A four-shot victory to capture the Travelers' Championship in Hartford. Meanwhile, the Women's PGA Championship from Minnesota, a major on the LPGA Tour. It was Aussie rules this week. Hannah Green of Australia led wire to wire. This birdie on the 16th was the margin of victory, a one-shot win over Sung Hoon Park. Green with her first major title. She is just 22 years old. Brooke Henderson was the top Canadian. She finished tied for 30th. And the Jays and Red Sox from Fenway. Marcus Stroman getting the start. Will it be his last as a Blue Jay? Big rumors that the Jays will deal him soon for more prospects to help the rebuild. And if it was his last performance, he goes out in style. Six shutout innings, six strikeouts. And Eric Sogard helped provide some of the offense. A solo home run here to right center. And the Blue Jays, who are... One of the worst teams in baseball beat the Red Sox two out of three. So that's baseball. Who can figure it out, man? Anytime you play, you can beat anybody. But they're still 20 games under, and we're not halfway through the year. It's rebuild time. Hey, it doesn't matter. The Raptors won the championship, so the whatever other Toronto teams, the Argos, who no one cares about anyway, they don't care right now. No. They're, they're floating because they, of the champions. They got a year to, right. to be under the radar. And these reports are never wrong, so Kawhi for sure is coming back. Let's <laughs> hope so. Happy birthday, Canada. Join Global BC along with CKNW, Rock 101, and CFOX live on location to celebrate the greatest country on earth. It's Canada Day at Canada Place, July 1st on Global BC. And you'll be there on... Canada, Canada Day. Day. Yes, Sophie well. and I will be downtown uh, for Canada Day this nice. year. So, yeah. All right. We hope you'll stay tuned. <laughs> yes, I'll be watching from home. Good. Uh, listen, the sport of kings was overshadowed by the Queen's favorite dogs today at Hastings Racecourse. Look at this. Yes, it is the second annual Corgi Races this weekend. And this afternoon, it was down to the finest eight dogs, the fastest eight dogs, that is, in the final heat. All looking eager to be the official top dog. In the end... It was Lord Potrose first across the finish line. Lord Pot. So is he uh, is he up for some special treats? Sausage. <laughs> we promised him sausage. They're just very fluffy, and you never just you never know what's gonna happen. It's always a, an exciting adventure. They're so cute, funny, and funny, and they're puffy butts. Butts. Yeah, they're very fluffy and cute. One of our, our um, online writers has a corgi and, oh. he, and was just a puppy. Um, Sean, no. just a few months ago when he brought it into the studio. <gasps> Don't tell anyone. Cutest dog ever. It's a good way to make friends is to bring in a cute puppy. Cutest dog. Lowers your blood pressure. <laughs> One last word about weather. Still chance of showers this evening for tomorrow morning and then a clearing by the afternoon. Okie dokie. Thanks for joining us. Sarah will be here at 11.